0: If you would like to hear my current message series, you may call Butte Bible Fellowship at 530
1: 8920521 We are looking at a message I've entitled, Jesus is the source of our eternal salvation. And you can see right in the middle of the chapter, Hebrews 5, 8 to 10 says, Son, though he was, he learned obedience from what he suffered and once made perfect, he became the source of eternal salvation for all who obey him and was designated by God to be high priest in the order of Melchizedek." Do you see that it says Jesus is the source of eternal salvation yesterday we had a celebration of life service for ron cole senior and the verse that was chosen to be read at his memorial service was where jesus said to martha i am the resurrection and the life and you see jesus had asked martha do you believe there's a resurrection and she said yes there's going to be the day of resurrection and jesus said I am the resurrection. In other words, I am the personification of the resurrection. I am the source and supplier of raising you and anyone else from the dead. I am the source and supplier of full and abundant eternal life. And Jesus says, if you believe in me, though you die physically, you'll be more alive spiritually than ever before. And then I will raise your body from the grave, and you will receive a glorified body and live forever. Do you believe this? That's the gospel. And we are going through Hebrews, lighting out one reason after another why to praise Jesus. And today we praise Jesus because he is the source of eternal life. Now, to get to this point, the writer of Hebrews says three things about a high priest. In the Jewish faith, during the Bible times, a high priest was the most respected religious leader, and he went into the Holy of Holies once a year to offer a sacrifice on behalf of the entire nation and his was an important job and had specific, important qualifications. So we're going to learn three things about a high priest and see that they all apply to Jesus. In fact, Jesus not only is fully qualified as our high priest, but he's superior to the high priest of biblical times. Let's look at this. First of all, in Hebrews 5.1, Every high priest is selected from among the people and is appointed to represent the people in matters related to God, to offer gifts and sacrifices for sins. So the number one job description of a high priest is to be a representative to God and of God. A high priest is a representative to God and of God. So he is the in between, the one, the mediator, the one who stands in the, the place to represent the sinner who's repenting and also to represent before that sinner the forgiveness of God to say, You're forgiven. Secondly, a high priest in that role of being representative to God, it says in Hebrews 2, had to be like those he represented that's why jesus became fully human it says for this reason he had to be made like them fully human in every way in order that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in service to god and that he might make atonement for the sins of the people because he himself suffered when he was tempted he's able to help those who are being tempted so in other words for you and i to have a representative before God that represented to, had to become fully human like we are that's why Jesus had to become human so he could represent us and so he could relate to us going through all that we go through with our trials and temptations and yet without sin he never failed so Jesus is the perfect representative of human beings to a holy God, but he's also the perfect representative of a holy God to, to us human beings. He is the perfect high priest. The second thing about a high priest is that a high priest is caring and approachable. Hebrews 5 2. He is able to deal gently with those who are ignorant and are going astray since he himself is subject to weakness this is why he has to offer sacrifices for his own sins as well as for the sins of people so a, a high priest during biblical times when there was a temple had to first offer sacrifices for his own sins then go into the holy then into the holy of holies before the um, the altar the ark of the covenant and sprinkle blood between the cherubim on behalf of the sins of the nation so he had to be one who could gently um lovingly relate to sinful people think about it when a person in biblical times sinned they would bring a sacrifice to atone for their sin whether it be a lamb or ram or dove, whatever it was, they would put their hand on that sacrifice while that sacrifice would be killed on behalf of their sin and the blood would be shed. When that person had their hand on the sacrificial animal, they were feeling contrite and they were realizing, my sin costs something. My sin grieved God my sin I deserve death but instead this sacrifice is taking my place and is dying for me and the blood is covering over my sin well the priest who's standing there is not hard-hearted he's not saying oh you stupid sinner I'm glad you finally came to realize your sin and you're repenting now no a priest was compassionate a priest was was rejoicing that this sinner was admitting his sin that he was bringing a sacrifice to cover over his sin he was welcoming that person so a high priest had to be compassionate had to be someone who loved sinners Who are honest about their sin and he's able to deal gently with them and not only those who are disobedient but those who are ignorant and those who are going astray he sees them like sheep who are about to fall off a cliff come back come this way compassionate and that is certainly our Lord Jesus because it says in Hebrews 4 16 let us then approach god's throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need do we need to be fearful when we sin and come before god no we can be honest we can be vulnerable we can be real and say lord i messed up lord i need forgiveness Lord, please wash me clean. And the Lord gladly, compassionately receives us. He's so g- happy that we are turning to him. That's our high priest. That's Jesus. The third thing about a high priest is that a high priest is chosen And called by God Hebrews 5 4 to 6 and no one takes this honor on himself but he receives it when called by God just as Aaron was in the same way Christ did not take on himself the glory of becoming a high priest but God said to him you are my son today I have become your father that's quoting Psalm 2 verse 7 and he says in another place you are a priest forever in the order of Mechazeldech. So here we have it that the priests, the high priests of Jesus' day were descendants of Aaron. But Jesus did not come from the tribe of Levi. He came from the tribe of Judah. How could he be a high priest? Because he's not from the Levitical tribe. He's not from Levi. He's not a descendant of Aaron. The reason Jesus could be our high priest is because he's from the order of Machiseldech. And we're going to find out who that mysterious person is when we get to Hebrews chapter 7 in a couple of Sundays. But right now know this, that Machiseldech was a mystery man that comes out of nowhere. He's both a king and a high priest. He's the king of peace, and he's a high priest. And Jesus is of that order. He's qualified by that line, the special priesthood, that makes him the source of eternal salvation. So now having established three things about a high priest, that the high priest is a representative, that a high priest is compassionate, and that a high priest is called by God, we see that Jesus is all the above. Jesus passed every test to become fully qualified as our high priest. And one of those most difficult tests was when he was in the Garden of Gethsemane. You remember when he was in the Garden of Gethsemane? he asked Peter James and John to pray for him because he was facing a time of great intensity he was coming before God the Father and saying if it be your will may this cup pass from me if there's any other way please now now Esther Douglas i love you and i appreciate you and she's a woman of great questions if jesus knew it was god's will for him to come and be a sacrifice for us why is he praying that he not die as a sacrifice for us let's read this carefully hebrews 5 7 during the days of jesus life on earth he offered up prayers and petitions with fervent cries and tears to the one who could save him from death. And he was heard because of his reverent submission. It says about Jesus praying in the Garden of Gethsemane that the stress he was feeling was so intense that he was sweating drops of blood. Doctors have proven that when a human being is under intense stress, they actually can perspire blood. That's the intensity of Jesus' prayer. And the point here is Jesus' prayer was not to escape his Father's will, but to accept it. That's why he was praying. But not my will, but yours be done. That was a huge test. Jesus was not saying, I don't want to do it, He was weighing the full horror of becoming a sacrifice for your sins and mine. He who knew no sin became sin so that we might become the righteousness of God every wrong thing you and I have done and will ever do was put upon Jesus the Holy One the clean one the pure one and it separated him from God the Father so he cried out my God my God why hast thou forsaken me Jesus knew he was going to take your sins and mine upon himself to be a sacrifice for our sins and how painful and how terrible it would be for him to experience hell, the punishment of hell, for you and for me so we could be forgiven. And he passed the test. Not my will, but yours be done. We see Jesus passed every test to become fully qualified as our high priest, Is specifically in the heart of this chapter that we pointed out verses 8 to 10 son though he was son of God the father he learned obedience from what he suffered and once made perfect he became the source of eternal salvation for all who obey him and was designated by God to be high priest in the order of Melchizedek. now does it mean that he went from disobedience to obedience? No. What it means is he who was once God and everyone obeyed him became a human being and he learned through testing to be 100% obedient. In other words, Jesus did not learn how to obey he learned what is involved in obedience now why is this profound because by jesus becoming a human being and by jesus being tempted by everything you and i have ever been tempted he learned by relying on god the father how to overcome How to be victorious. How to come out on the other side as a winner. Do you have a problem? Do you have a struggle? Do you have a temptation? When you turn to Jesus, you find out that he's the pioneer who's already been there. He's already broken the way through. And you need to come to him and say, Lord, how can i be victorious over this temptation how can i be an overcomer in the midst of the trial that i'm going through he learned obedience through the school of hard knocks and because he's experienced because he's a veteran because he's a pro we should turn to him to learn how to be victorious, how to overcome. Now notice that he didn't go from disobedience to obedience. He went from being worshipped and obeyed to learning how to obey as a human being like you and me. And it says that he suffered but once made perfect, became the source of eternal salvation. Was he imperfect before? The answer is no. He didn't go from imperfection to perfection. The word perfect means complete. When he had gone through all the tests and passed them with flying colors, he was complete. And the way I put it is, he is Fully qualified. Who's fully qualified to show me the way? Who's fully qualified to give me insight on how to overcome? Who's fully qualified to get me all the way to heaven? Jesus. Jesus is fully qualified. Why? Because he's been through the valleys. He's been betrayed. He's been Um, abandoned. He's been mocked and made fun of. Everything you have gone through and are going through, he's already experienced. And all he says is, turn to me for help, and I'll help you win. I'll help you get to the other side. I'll help you be victorious. I'll help you to be more than an overcomer. Trust me. Follow me. Fix your eyes upon me. I am the pioneer and the perfecter of your faith. Jesus passed every test to become fully qualified as our high priest. But there's a punchline, and the punchline is for all the wonderful reasons we have to praise Jesus as our, rep, being our representative high priest, being our compassionate high priest, being our high priest who <clears throat> um, in every way is um, called by God and has gone through all that we go through, the bottom line and the sad truth of it all is the average Christian doesn't get it. Can I be honest with you? What do you do when you're tempted? You either try in your own energy to overcome the temptation, or you give in and live a defeated life what do you do when you're going through a trial well many christians live below their birthright and they complain and they whine and they have a pity party or they try to keep a stiff upper lip and push through it grind through it but how many christians realize you have a qualified experienced coach personal trainer best friend to turn to to show you the way how many of us as soon as we're tempted we turn to jesus as soon as we experience a hardship we go to jesus as soon as we've been betrayed we go to jesus and jesus comforts us by his holy spirit who lives in us and he leads us and he guides us into all truth jesus is the one we should be turning to We should say, I want to live a righteous life. I want to be like you, Jesus, in character and conduct. But I can't do it apart from you working in my life. I need you. You see, the people that the writer of Hebrews is addressing did not get it. He writes in verses 11 to 14, We have much to say about this, how great Jesus is. But it's hard to make it clear to you, because you no longer try to understand in the original greek it says you are dull of hearing you are slow and lazy you are set in your own ways and stubborn as all get out come wheel or woe you say my status is quo let me say that again come wheel or woe good or bad come wheel or woe my status is quo i'm just going to sit on the can No! The Lord wants you to get this, and when you get it, you grow. In fact, the writer says, though by this time you ought to be teachers, you should be showing other people the way to be victorious, you need someone to teach you the elementary truths of God's Word all over again. It's like Vince Lombardi saying gentlemen, after they lost a football game, this is a football he had to go back to the basics we have to go back to the basics if we're not getting it we need it to be repeated to us but we should get it and we should get some traction and we should be teaching others the way to be victorious as jesus has been teaching us but the writer of Hebrews says you still need milk not solid food anyone who lives on milk being still an infant is not acquainted with the teaching about righteousness you may be a Christian who's lived and followed the Lord for 10, 20, 30 years. But are there years that you've been growing? Or have you repeated the first year, you know, 20, 30 times? You've remained in an infantile baby state and you really haven't grown. Every time a temptation comes, boom, you fail. You're defeated. Every time a trial comes, you are a grump. Every time uh, any hardship comes or an opportunity for witness comes, you are AWOL, absent without official leave. You have run like Chicken Little. I mean, come on! Where's the victory? Where is the overcoming? Where's the conquering that's yours because you've got an overcomer who's victorious, who's a conqueror, the Lord Jesus Christ that you're following follow him and he has already pioneered he's cut the way for you to go and if you haven't gotten it yet and a lot of people in church don't understand this the second you trust in jesus christ you are called to live a righteous life the moment you trust in jesus you are put right with god when god sees you he sees the righteousness of jesus And he's not going to punish you for your sin. He's going to reward you for your faithfulness. So you're already righteous the moment you trust in Christ. You have the righteousness of Jesus put to your account. So you are positionally righteous. But now you have to grow in practical righteousness. You've got to live out the character and conduct of Christ. And if you don't keep righteousness in your sight as to your end goal then you're going to live for everything else and be like a wave of the sea tossed here and there because you don't know where you're going. If you don't know where you're going, anywhere will do. But if you know where you're going, you're fixing your eyes on Jesus and you want to become righteous like Jesus and be reflect Jesus' character and conduct, then you're going to say, Jesus, how do I get there from here? Does that make sense? so we are failing to listen to and turn to jesus as the source and sustainer of our eternal salvation and we're living in constant defeat and depression all because we don't turn to jesus what a friend we have in jesus that him says what needless pain we bear all because we do not take it to jesus in prayer. So the writer Hebrews ends this chapter by saying, in verse 14, "But solid food is for the mature who by constant use, have trained themselves to distinguish good from evil. When you turn to Jesus and you turn to the Word of God, you sharpen your discerning senses to be able to pick out what's good, What's better and what's best you know what's evil you see evil a mile away when you are in the book when you study the Word of God the Word of God reveals your heart to God and shows you the areas you need to bring to him and rely upon him for cleansing and for sanctification for growing in holiness It says in Hebrews 4, 12 to 13, For the word of God is alive, it's sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to the dividing of soul and spirit, and joints and marrows, and it judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. Nothing in all creation is hidden from God's sight. Everything is uncovered and laid bare before the eyes of him to whom we must give account. So when you're in the word, the word renews your mind, And changes your perspective. You see what is righteous, and you see what's unrighteous. And you want to head to what's righteous. And when you have a problem on how to get there, you turn to your high priest, your best friend, your personal trainer, your coach, Jesus. And he shows you how to get there. So Jesus is the source of eternal salvation. He's the high priest who's a representative to God and of God. He's the high priest who's caring and approachable. He's the high priest who's chosen and called by God. And he's passed every test to become fully qualified as our high priest. Do you
0: need encouragement? I want to share my spiritual gift of encouragement with you. If you would like to hear my current message series, you may call Butte Bible Fellowship at 530 530- 530